I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily agree. win. Go for a short it is time to get your bricks This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What? I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the Acast Creator Network. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where I ask Sue Gray to conduct an investigation into the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Now, I need to say this slowly. They held a party in Downing Street against lockdown rules on the night before Prince Philip's funeral at which the actual Queen had to sit on her own. They must have said, ah, it's Prince Philip's funeral. Excellent. Someone passes the order of service so I can make a straw and snort a line of coke. Maybe they were in a competition to see who could be the most outrageous. Next week, there'll be photos of them all in mid-lockdown taking ecstasy at a rave in Dame Vera Lynn's coffin. It will be revealed that a cabinet meeting to discuss the chronic shortage of medical equipment was held at the Coalition Club on Brighton Beach while a DJ played until 3am. Advertisers gyrates to the R-rate. And the Prime Minister says, I can't say if I was there despite having been seen there until the investigation. If you need someone else to tell you whether you were at an illegal party, you should be in a home. You certainly shouldn't be Prime Minister of a country with nuclear weapons. This is one of the biggest scandals in all this, the appalling standard of the lying. If you had a three-year-old who couldn't lie better than that, you'd say, oh my God, what sort of demented child are we raising? Maybe Johnson's hoping that the investigation discovers he wasn't there because Boris Johnson isn't Boris Johnson. It'll turn out that he's Shirley Bassey or Peppa Pig. And then he says he went into the party in the garden to which he wasn't invited and then didn't realise it was a party, which means he went into the garden for no real reason. And then at no point did he think, there's a fucking party in my garden. Instead, he went, ah... As these people are here, I'd better stay for 25 minutes and thank them for coming. Next, he'll explain, I often wander into gardens on the off chance that there's someone there who wishes me to to stay for 25 minutes. On Tuesday, I popped up behind a a shrub at a garden in Scarborough and, uh, and stayed for 25 minutes. And then he keeps making statements such as, said that I was certain no rules were broken. I I was, of course, referring to the rules of table tennis and and none of them were breached at all. And when I said that I was informed that no party had taken place, I I was telling the truth because I had informed myself there had been no party and I took my word for it and I couldn't have known at the time that I was lying. So luckily for him, on this day, there was a workplace meeting for him to stay at where everyone had been asked to bring a bottle, as with all workplace meetings. For example, it's very impolite to turn up at a meeting in the office about new health and safety rules without six bottles of Polish lager and a cheesecake. And he never questioned why his wife was there at a government workplace meeting when she doesn't work for the government. I suppose he assumed she'd become foreign secretary and forgotten to tell him. Maybe he's used this explanation in the past when he's been caught having affairs. He said, I had no idea that we were having uh, sex. I was under the impression it was a workplace meeting and the grunts, the grunts that you, you heard me make 
was simply my approval for the accounts to the year ending 30th of April. See, this has been his problem all along. He keeps misunderstanding what type of event he's at. The reason he kept dozing off during Brexit negotiations is he thought he was at a snooker tournament. When he shook hands with patients who were infected with COVID, he thought he was the queen after the Royal Variety performance. This week, he'll do a huge dump in the House of Commons and then he'll insist he's never done a dump in his life and then an MP will say, Prime Minister, will you please open our window? Your dump stinks. And then he'll say, it would be unfair to discuss until Sue Gray has completed her investigation. <sighs> and then he'll say he's really sorry for the impression that he did a dump, but he didn't realise at the time it was a dump as he thought it was a banana. Now Johnson's come up with a plan to keep his job called Operation Save Big Dog. And he's clearly in trouble because he's had to send Jacob Rees-Mogg out with his common touch to win people round. And Mogg suggested that the parties happened because the rules that the government made were too harsh. And he'll explain this further, saying, oh, obviously the rules for common folk had to be adhered to, but this was of no import because they don't experience emotions as such. In that regard, they are much like wasps. In any case, one would consider oneself fortunate to catch Covid from an Etonian, for an Etonian's Covid, being of superior blood, would make one cough in an eloquent manner so that one may utter a sound such as coughus, coughum, wretches, Flemus. So now only 5% of the population think that Boris Johnson is telling the truth, which is astonishing given that 6% are his children. And on the face of it, it could be argued that is the biggest hypocritical, morally bankrupt, scuzzy, sleazy, narcissistic, malevolent, odious, self-serving, incompetent, fuckwitted shit. But we won't know for certain until Sue Gray has concluded her investigation. <laughs> series of Dancing on Ice started this week and the papers had lots of pictures of Bears from the Happy Mondays who's one of the contestants and he's falling over in practice as you would expect. I'm not an expert on Dancing on Ice however we have with us someone who is George Galloway. Let me put it to you Bears. Your tenacious battles for justice as exemplified by your years of vaguely gyrating whilst agitating the maracas, the seditious instrument of the indigenous Tubinumber tribe of Brazil, leave you unparalleled as an example of an icon for justice. Your revolutionary cry of your twisting my melon man inspired the oppressed fruit pickers of Guatemala whose produce was so egregiously appropriated by the forces of American imperialism. It is therefore with sadness in my heart that I note you have stooped to succumb to the unedifying spectacle of floundering upon the rink for the amusement of Schofield and Willoughby. Your time on the ice will end in ignominious defeat reminiscent of the humiliation suffered by Hitler's army at Stalingrad at the hands of the mighty Soviet Eighth Red Army as celebrated by Shostakovich's Eighth Symphony, which is without doubt the inspiration for the melody in Kinky Afro from your seminal album, Thrills, Bells and Bellyaches. That 
Bez, if that is indeed your real name, is why I will not be watching this series of Dancing on Ice. Although, if you are too injured to continue, I will be available as a replacement. Now, there is no point in trying to work out what the fuck is going on in this country, in this world, even in your village, unless you have some expert advice and someone to consult with. We are privileged this week. The most magnificent international expert advice, Henning Vane, no less. Hello, Mark. Now, are you looking at what happens in Britain with our royal family at the moment, Henning, and thinking, I wish the Germans had a royal family still? <laughs> now, that's the sort of thing is best outsourced. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at them and you always think it couldn't happen to a nicer family. It's like, essentially, they are just a normal family, in inverted commas, just living out all the strange things they get up to very, very publicly. No, I think they're even worse, aren't they? I mean, because, and also, I mean, I come from Swanley in Kent, and some of the families there are not as sort of um, Christian as they might be, but none of them, as far as I know, have been involved with an internationally convicted nonce. Yeah, but only because they weren't given the opportunity. Oh, well, that's very true. So if they had been brought up in that environment, they would have thrived in it. If you had been brought up somewhere else, you might be now on an Interpol's most wanted list or something. So, uh... <laughs> If someone from my hometown had gone to Jeffrey Epstein's house, they wouldn't have had sex with anyone, but they would have nicked all his paintings. Here, let's get that off the banisters. We can sell that down to Lullinster for seven quid. <laughs> Don't, so, because I was talking to someone, French who I speak to, who was telling me that they were amazed that people here get angry about their royal family because they think it's just like uh, celebrities. Well, it is in a way, isn't it? What is Britain known for abroad is two things. It's the royal family, that's like proper box office, and the Premier League, that's proper box office. Right. <laughs> and it is those two institutions that really sell Britain abroad very well, right, right. but uh, within Britain itself, very much to the detriment of the country. But you think that does make us popular abroad? Do you think more people come to Britain because... Well... Because I, I had a joke that I used to do for years where I'd say, oh, when people say, oh, it brings a lot of tourists. Right, because no tourists go to France or Italy or America because you go to the top of the Eiffel Tower and look out and go, it's a nice view but the lack of a royal family spoils it for me. Yeah, I mean, I know I, I've got there where I say the royal family helps a lot with tourism. Where? Windsor, yes, Hartlepool, doubt it. <laughs> if you have got something like a royal wedding and that is watched by three billion people globally, now that is a big old calling card. It's hard to quantify how much that is worth in pound and penny. Yeah, yeah. In, but as... Soft power, so uh, so so to speak. It certainly, like Germany, wouldn't have anything that could interest and capture the imagination of the world. 
like the Royal Wedding can. We have had the wall come down, but that was a one-off event in 1989-1990. Can't be repeated. Whereas the Royal Family, they'll keep this country in the global spotlight. And I've got no time for them. No, I think that's interesting that you think, because I can see that, because it's important to, like a celebrity will go, proper celebrities, not like us, they go, oh, well, um, I've got to be in the news, don't they? So they go to a club where they know that the paparazzi will be and they sort of, I don't know, they do a dance or something that means they're in the, they just make sure they're in the news. And I wonder whether the royal family is doing that. (laughs) I wonder if Andrew's just taking a hit and they've got, look... Uh, the thing is, Andrew, we need to keep in the news. Uh, so if you can go and sort of get yourself involved with this Epstein chap, that should uh, that should keep the keep people watching us in Thailand. Yeah, but look, also the thing what makes us all thrive is that there is a chance of upward social mobility and all that. But if you're born into that family, what do you want to be? Where do you want to go upwardly socially mobile? So essentially, they live a totally deranged life because. What makes us all strive, like, of betterment, in inverted commas again, they can't, how can they better themselves? Other than that he poisons his older brother and then comes one closer to being the next one in line of throne. So uh, what that bloke lives and what they're all living is futile, pointless lives. The only one who has got a job is the Queen and... uh, all the others, they're just biting their time. And most of them, no, they'll never ever shot at it. And that's why they're not writing it. <laughs> and that was... Uh, oh, you should be their psychotherapist, Henny. You would just have to say to them, you have to come to terms with the fact that you are not right in the head <laughs> and, uh, and that your life is ultimately futile and pointless. And once you've accepted that... I think you'll enjoy Well, Harry seems to have got that, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, he seems of all that lot. He seems to. That's how he turned his back on the royal family and she's ever so evil and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't care less about them too. But what they do, at least they, they, it seems like they try and fend for themselves and live their own lives. I mean, I don't need to hear about it. They can stop lecturing us all about it. It is amazing. All I find amazing is that there's no incident in history, as far as I know, of anyone who's been royal just going, this is fucking mental, and just giving it up and going to get a job in the co-op and just going, I'm so much happier now. You'd think there'd be one incident of some emperor in China that did that or something. How would that work, though? So if Prince Harry said, I want to fend for myself... And I, I want to work at the petrol station. Yeah. He couldn't. There would be like thousands of people outside taking <laughs> pictures, do this. And then whoever owns the petrol station would say, you have to get some new crates of Coca-Cola out the back. There would be absolute carnage. So he just couldn't go about his job, even if he wanted to work in a petrol station. But it'd be fun, though, wouldn't it? I've come I mean, I've gone down to get some petrol. I've ended up queuing up for three fucking hours because there's a fucking load of paparazzi and he's yeah. fucking come out. I've gone, can you fucking check me oil? He said, I've got 400 other people checking me oil. Oh. So it is for us to say... Why don't they work in a supermarket is a good point and is easily said. But the reality <laughs> is 
It just wouldn't be feasible. It just wouldn't be possible. <laughs> can he work in a call centre? He probably can. Because oh, yes. Something like that yes. where it's remote. But if, if his face is on show, it's impossible. That'd be great, and working in a call centre. Hello, yes. It's my uh, my name's Harry. How can I help you today with your <laughs> with with your skybox? <laughs> <laughs> who is to say that there isn't lots of royals who have managed to turn their back <laughs> on it, and we just don't know about it because they're all in, in call centres? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Queen, perhaps, <laughs> does it? I can't continue to speak to you unless you answer some security questions. <laughs> and then she gets sacked because she has to go and deal with her bloody stupid crap. Uh, well, of course I had to speak, have an extra hour for lunch. My fucking grandkids have gone to fucking Canada. <laughs> right, now there is someone else who is a sort of king. I'm torn with this, Henning. I don't know if you are. Novak Djokovic now. Everybody's making jokes about him, and that's right and proper. But without doubt, the greatest tennis player ever. And he's clearly completely mad. I think not just on the vaccination issue. I think he's bonkers on... Generally, he's not... He's sort of someone who seems to struggle to very much to be normal, mm. uh, whatever that means. And he does this sort of mindfulness things that you can use your own energy to flush out poisonous substances and things like that. I'm not sure I'd want the doctor to tell me that. It always depends on the context, isn't it? So can you heal yourself? Does a positive mind go a long way of preventing you getting illnesses? Yeah, it does. But does that clean water that is dirty... I doubt it. No, of course, of course, if you're positive and all that. But he's at the far <laughs> end of that, though, and he's sort of like an extreme homeopath. Mm. You can think yourself well in all circumstances, and I think that this vaccination thing for him is part of that, it seems to me, that he... Uh, a lot of athletes are very much against vaccinations, aren't they? Yeah, and it's like, why does he have to be vaccinated? You can still get it, even if you're vaccinated, you can still pass it on. And the reason why everyone has to be vaccinated is to protect the NHS or the Australian equivalent. Now, he's one of the healthiest people on earth. If he gets it, he's not going to end up in hospital. Why does he need to be vaccinated? Purely out of spite. Well, I don't think it's out of spite. That they don't want to let him get away with not having had the vaccination because that would set a bad precedent or something. But it's not as if he, for his own health... Needs to be vaccinated. No, it's passing it on, though, isn't it? You're more likely to pass it on. That's why. You're much more likely to pass it on. You're much more likely to catch it, to transmit it. You can still get it. Yeah, you can catch it. But what if he catches it? Well, he, he says he has caught it. Well, that was a lot of admin as well, getting there some Serbian doctor to write a false certificate. That was a lot of admin. But so, if everybody uh... took the same attitude, then we would be in a terrible pickle. So then you have to say oh, right, well, then Novak Djokovic doesn't have to follow the rules because he's got an amazing ability to uh, run up to the net after three hours halfway through the fourth set. Yeah, I'm not saying it's right, right, but that would be a legitimate point you would make. Maybe this rule should be that everyone in the world, before being vaccinated, if they want to get out of being vaccinated, they have to play a game of tennis against someone chosen by the NHS. Well, it is. I mean, I don't want to get dragged down in a conversation like this because that will do neither of us much good. But um, 
Let's both get cancelled. Now, they say we care about, it's all about the immune system. Now, why, when you're in hospital, do they serve shit food? Why isn't the food in hospitals, why isn't that exclusively vegan? Public canteens, why aren't they exclusively vegan? Now, if you wanted to strengthen the immune system of people and public health, if there had been any attempt over the past two years of saying, we are trying to strengthen everyone's immune system by changing their lifestyle, I would have a lot of time for all this. But none of that has happened because it wouldn't play well with the voters. That's why they said, keep sitting on your ass and wait for some syrup to arrive. And then there is someone who is undoubtedly the best tennis player in the world who says, I don't need to wait for that syrup to arrive. I just want to go and play tennis. Good luck to him. Well, uh, okay. I mean, I agree with some of that. I definitely agree that if you said everyone has to become vegan, that wouldn't play well with the voters. But we could try. (laughs) (laughs) But the vaccination programme has worked. Yeah, it has. Yeah, undoubtedly has. Yeah, And it works because... The majority of people go in for it. So if you sort of say it doesn't matter if if you're vaccinated, if you're particularly fit, that's only looking at one side of why we're vaccinated, which is to have the vaccination for your own health. But that's why we're vaccinating young people, because they pass it on. Mm. All right, then. Djokovic's father saying that he's been crucified like Jesus that a lot of people have sort of made him the uh, the bad person now. I think that's brilliant to say that your son's being crucified like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, they've got very poetic language there on the on the ball. Yes, that. exactly. They they speak in pictures. Or it's possible that in the Serbian Orthodox Church there is a chapter in the Bible that says, "And lo, Jesus did turn unto the authorities and say, but it is not fair that I have been bandeth." from the Galilee Open Tennis Tournament because I haven't been vaccinated <laughs> against leprosy when I can cure fucking leprosy. I only have to touch them. That's, how mental is that? <laughs> Henning, it has been marvellous to speak to you. Where can we see you and your... Well, after this podcast, probably nowhere <laughs> ever uh, again, but uh, I'm on the road again from February the 8th up and down the country. And lots of radio things? Uh, well, i just done one with your man, Pete Sinclair, producer. He's written Common Ground, and we've done that for Radio 4, and that went out on uh, New Year's Day. And that's on BBC Sounds, isn't it? That's BBC Sounds, yes. And uh, that is a fascinating thing. I did that with, uh, with people like Anna Crilly, and they've all been to drama school, and they're all really, really good at acting. So if you do a read-through with them... Oh, can you be 10 years older, slightly more middle class and a bit more from the northeast or something like that? And then one second to the next, there is a completely different person in the room. And with me, they can say to me, can you speak up a bit or can you tone it down a bit? So, And that really is my whole range. Henning, can you do from the northeast of Germany <laughs> and be five years older <laughs> and be someone who used to be in the royal family but now you work in a petrol garage that's struggling because of a paparazzi? <laughs> Thank you so much, Henning. It's an absolute marvellous... Hawaii, the lads. Oh, that's brilliant. that's brilliant. Well, I've read the Viz magazine now for the best part of 20 years, so uh, if there is one part of the country that appeals to me, it's the northeast. Thank you very much, Henning, for coming on and explaining us what the fuck is going on oh, what the fuck is going on? and now a word from our sponsors cameo um 
Hello, hello folks, Boris Johnson, uh, soon to be former Prime Minister, here to tell you you, you can now book me on uh, Cameo. I will record a message for your for your best mate, uh, Stagdu, uh, uh, your secret daughter or son with a, a birthday, maybe you've... Uh, you've You've never met them, I don't know. Uh, I could do royal funerals, divorces, or uh, maybe you want me to threaten a journalist. Uh, I will record a message for literally any occasion. Prices start at £1,000 for a message uh, when sober, uh, £2,000 when smashed, or why not pay for my platinum package, £300,000 a year. I will come and live with you and record as many messages as you like. I might ask you to uh, to redecorate the flat first, rather particular with the fixtures and fittings. So come on, book Bojo, press that book button, and I guarantee that I will record your message within six months or maybe a couple of years. What the fuck is going on? Now, a lot of people have been very angry about the idea of people partying in Downing Street when they themselves have had to make such enormous personal sacrifices, especially this woman who I heard in a cafe the other day. Well, I was absolutely furious when I heard what they were up to. When I think what I went through, on that very day, our daughter Nectarine would have been collecting her national diploma for excelling at the violin. But instead, the whole thing was cancelled. And on top of that, because of the lockdown, she's never even played the violin because the violin shop was closed, so we couldn't send the nanny to get one. And of course, while they were boozing it up in Downing Street, there were times when we weren't even allowed to have a nanny. Although Colin did go to the shop and brought one back in a suitcase, but that was within the rules because technically a nanny is a sort of pet. And we kept strictly in our bubble, which was me, Colin, Nectarine, Tara from the spin class, the nanny, the gardener, the window cleaner, the yoga instructor, my personal trainer, and Calvados, the homeopath. Oh, and Calvados's son, Amaretto. Someone in the village said, well, I had to bury my uncle on Zoom. And I said, well, that's awful. But it was worse for us, because we had to have our book reading club on my iPad. And of course, Colin had to work throughout the pandemic because he's an essential worker. He's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And, oh, he's furious with Boris because if he'd known all these parties were happening, he could have sent them some free tubes of Pringles and got a PPE contract in return. But that's the trouble with people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me. Is this lateral flow test dairy-free? I'm doing veganuary. What the fuck is going on? Now, there are... Odd occasions when I am out in the world, not sat here doing the podcast, and it's perfectly legal and legitimate for now for anyone who wishes to to come and see me in any of those things. For example, I've got a book, uh, Who Do I Think I Am?, which is out on Audible, and you go into the world of Audible on the internet, and there it will be somewhere. And I'm doing shows. If you go on Mark Steele website, you can find out that I'm on at various places. I think there's tickets for the ones that are a sort of few weeks away. Tring. I know we have an absolutely massive audience in Tring. Also, I'm doing my little French shows. One next week in Brighton at the Comedia and the Museum of Comedy. Now, there are lots of people sending in questions to the podcast, such as this one. What the fuck is going on, says Martin at Smart UK, with new cases of Havana syndrome affecting US embassy officials recently in France and Switzerland. Is it a Cold War style attack or a dodgy microwave oven? 
Now, for those of you who haven't been paying attention to this, what's happened is that a number of people, spies, diplomats, people who work for the US Embassy, have been getting ill. And I don't know what they are, but I think it's bollocks. They're just ill, but they've made it into a syndrome, a Vanna syndrome. There's a special little plot and someone's been making the diplomats sick and making them cough and wheeze and some of them been ill for months. But there must be thousands of US diplomats working in embassies all around the world. Of course, some of them are going to get ill. What a cheat to moan about plots in Cuba, given that for about 60 years, the Americans came up with four plots a minute for how to kill Castro, blowing up his cigars and this sort of thing. I think that it's been made up. Now, the reference there to a dodgy microwave oven is that they think that someone put something in a microwave oven to make people ill. you just sick. Now, the brain of Spock says, I have worked in retail for many years and have never sold alcohol to anyone who then took it away in a suitcase. Is this just a Westminster or Tory thing? Or what the fuck is going on? You're absolutely right, Joe Shaw. I suppose it was because it was in secret. I suppose it was they didn't want people to sort of see them walking down the road and someone to think, isn't that the chap who works in Downing Street? I wonder why they've got £800 worth of drink in bags. So they put it in a suitcase and instead they just think, oh, it's Pose that person who works in Downing Street has just come back from holiday. No, they couldn't, even that couldn't work. It's all right if you're going on holiday and you've got a bottle of wine or a bottle of rum and you put that in there and that's it. Uh, so I quite agree, Joe Short, and I think there would be much more enlightened days ahead when anybody who buys wine from the cold and puts it in a suitcase will be made to do 200 hours of community service. Uh, now, Love Music Will Travel at S-T-O-O-O-C says NFL players have been advised to take Viagra if they're playing in the cold. This is apparently because it warms your extremities. Does it? Does Viagra warm all your extremities? I thought it just really sort of affected one particular extremity. I don't, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm not familiar, but is that what Viagra does? So not only do you get really horny but all your fingers get horny as well is that is that how it works i'm really not the right person to to discuss this what the fuck is going on normally with the nfl it makes no sense i've tried and elliot's tried to get me to watch it he sort of seems to understand it and i think no it's like cricket or snooker or anything else once you get into it but they take it so seriously the commentators and oh, there was a 3-4 going round the back with a 5 moving to the left with a 3.4 rotation bringing on the 2.6 with the 2 over the back of the 8 which means he's 8 on the 4 for the 9 against the Miami Lickspittles and that Tucson Tarantulas are now going to be 14 down going on in the 8th ninth of the 7th Viagra isn't going to help to understand what's happening with that. So uh, with all of those things, I think it's all nonsense. The US diplomats, the wine in a suitcase, NFL players, it's probably all been set up by Boris Johnson's little press team. Put something out about Viagra or something and they might forget about our parties. That's what's going on. What the fuck is going on? 
Now, it is impossible to know what the fuck is going on unless you listen to all sorts of different opinions. So let's hear what's been happening on talk show host Mike Concrete's show this week as he gently teases out those opinions. Now, there's a... Oh, a new project being set up as if there aren't enough projects already. It's an Anglo-European theatre exchange scheme, whatever that is. Here to talk about it is Hans von Steinsteiger or something. He's German, if you can believe it. Hello, Mike. Can I just say, uh, my name is actually David Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever your name is, what are you exchanging? It's a new exciting scheme for children from underprivileged backgrounds. We take them mm. to a city in Germany, and then we get them to put on a show with local... Oh, right, uh, so uh, you couldn't control us through the EU. Now you want to control us by making our kids do ballet, is that it? Well, it, it's more theatre. Well, I'm sure we could teach them ballet if you prefer. Yeah, where is this theatre of yours? Berlin, is it? It's about 10 kilometres outside Frankfurt. 10 what? 10 uh, kilometres. I think you mean 10 miles. <laughs> no, uh, 10 kilometres is roughly six miles. You're on English radio now, mate. It's 10 miles. OK, they are the same thing. Maybe we should have a race. You run 10 miles, I run 10 kilometres. Let's see who wins. Let me ask you something, Hans. How tall are you? About a metre 80. Wrong. You're five foot ten. You're in our country now. <laughs> no, no, I'm calling from Frankfurt. Yes, so? Well, last time I checked, Frankfurt is not in England. Yes, it is. See ya, Hans. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder Twixies are getting smaller. Here's Lee Hurst with the lottery numbers. Very important, if you're trying to find out what the fuck is going on, that you have a broad range of opinions across the generations. And that is why many years ago, I bred someone so that I would be able to have a, a bit of advice on the podcast. And there was nappies and parents' evenings, and they were a little bit awkward, but it's all worthwhile because now, Elliot Steele, good morning. Morning. And it's worth it for the cheery, no matter how glum you are, there is this booming bit of positivity. It's like having Novak Djokovic in the room, beaming out his positive energy. Let's turn this on. I'm a bit hungover. Now, Elliot, I was looking at the top incomes around the world, mm. and there's a chap called Mr Beast. He's a YouTuber, and he's earned £40 million in the last year because of his YouTube thing he does. Yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. I think he's like a sort of prank guy. I know, like, Logan and Jake Paul a little bit, and they're YouTubers. Right, what do they do? Well, they they just, like, put videos on YouTube and people watch them. But how do you get the money, though? I don't know how you get the money, because I look at YouTube, I don't send anyone money. What? Who? Well, the same way with, like, a television. How do things make money on television? Well, because then the BBC, like for my radio show, Mark Steele's in town. But well, that's out. not on television, that's on radio. No, it's on radio, but then the BBC send me, at the end of each series, four or five pounds. <laughs> and, and they have to round that up through <laughs> illegitimately just demanding everyone pays a licence fee for some reason. They just go, you're alive and you live here. And you go, all right. And they go, well, now you give us money. And you go, what if I don't want to? And then they go, we'll throw you in jail. <laughs> so that's that's how they do it, which is a little bit more mafioso. But YouTube... Well, who would pay for it otherwise, then? If it, Otherwise, it would have to be subscription or advertising. I wouldn't really care if it was. I don't watch it. 
Yes, you do. When do I sit there and watch the one show? Oh, come on. You never miss the one show. <laughs> Antiques Roadshow. Location, 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 which I'm not even sure is on there. I do like some of those Tory shows, actually. I do quite like them. Loose Women. You watch that? I uh, do, but that's ITV. Oh. I watch Match of the Day and that's about it. You've got to pay for it, then. What? what like, why, why do they get to throw you in jail if you go... I don't want to pay for this. Because it's collective, because we all collectively pay for a national television station and then the national television station does all sorts of bits and pieces, some of which you will watch and some of which you don't. You can't just go, it's not fair, I'm paying for that and I'm not watched, I don't watch the one show. You might as well go, why should I pay money for the health service when it's looking after diseases that I don't have? It's a little bit different. They should only have things that are wrong with me. I don't mind money from my taxes going towards like, oh, we're going to treat people with cancer and stuff like this. Not like, oh, we're going to fucking have Greg Wallace go and look at things in Sidcup. The guy's going to walk down here and you go, I don't want to pay money to this. And then they go, well, fucking go to jail. You don't want Greg Wallace to eat a souffle and go, that is a stunning souffle. Why do I have to pay for that? Look, Sidcup is very close to Swanley. I can tell you there are no soufflés in Sidcup. <laughs> it's like there's kind of shit that's on the one show, isn't it? But I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay for it, but I'm just saying it is mad that they'll throw you in jail. They don't throw you in jail. Oh, they do. They do, they throw, do you throw you in jail. You are on a wing with rapists and murderers. <laughs> what do you reckon that do you reckon that's the really bad bit? That's the worst bit of the jail. Yeah, they send you to cat A. <laughs> and yeah. they go, All oh, right, you're going down with the people who haven't paid their telly licence. And once prisoners find out that you haven't been making your contribution towards Greg Wallace's Sid Cup souffle show, you're in trouble, my son. And I know we were meant to be talking about YouTubers, but right. why <laughs> Do you need to pay? Like, for, I'm not going, we shouldn't do it. But why? Why? Because it, it's it's a state institution that is able to make things because of the size of the state. In the same way that the health service can with health, There, it's big enough, therefore, to be able to run a whole series of things that local subscriptions wouldn't, including things that wouldn't be able to survive if it was down to local subscriptions, such as local radio and all sorts of programmes that are made all over the place. Some of the things do make money, like Strictly Come Dancing. I can't believe I'm sat here having to do a fucking why the BBC should be allowed to exist, like I'm up against some (laughs) neoliberal bloke who's bought Kazakhstan and turned it into a uranium smelting plant. It should be allowed to exist, but I just think the means of it existing is like, you know, imagine you were starting like a country right? and you went to people like, we're going to have a TV station where like some people dance on it and once every five years, David Attenborough (laughs) pops up and goes, here's a fucking whale. And you go... All right. And then they go, oh, by the way, if you don't pay for this, we're going to put you in prison. <laughs> like, that's, that is mad, isn't it? Like, it's not. No, it's like, like, every country needs to have a broadcast media these days. You know, we're not in the 14th century. And so, just like, we're going to have to have a fire service and you all have to pay for it, regardless of whether you're on fire or not. Well, and no, that's but the that's same not the with same. This. That's fine, because that's saving lives. Yeah, 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 but the fire service also, it doesn't just do that, it rescues cats out of trees. I haven't got a cat! Why am I paying for a fire service that rescues cats when I haven't got a cat? I've got a hamster. I'm going to put that up a tree so that I can get me money's worth. 
You know, lots of people like the David Attenborough with the whale. Lots of people do. They're paid for by the BBC, you know, and then therefore it funds other things that maybe you don't like, you know, like the things I go on, like on Radio Bloody Stoke to advertise my show when no one's coming to it. No, well, I, I like I like the BBC. It's it's, it's but I just I just think it's mental. It's it's so mafia. It's like imagine you didn't pay the BBC and you just. They just come around and break your legs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just come around and fucking firebomb your car. The, the extreme BBC. Well, yeah. thank, thank you very much. I think the likelihood of Elliot ever being controller. Well, no, you probably will be end up being because the government will bloody listen to this. Someone from the government, and the next thing they'll make you director general. Elliot Steele, ladies and gentlemen. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe and rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. And if you can't be bothered, please write a review. And if there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at all the messages that you send. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Henning Vane and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Henning Vane. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowley. Produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries. <laughs>